0: At what point should I start considering and what should be my next steps before making a pivot?
1: So I think the first thing when you're looking at that pivot is saying, what am I trying to pivot into? And am I picking something that's like Mount Everest? Or am I picking something that's a little bit more approachable? And that's going to have a big impact on what your timeline looks
0: like. It's something really important. is like it's, it's all really based on your life situation and you need to understand the finances, right? So like to your point, if you're the main income earner in your household, you might have to pivot slower. Would if you have a supporting spouse that can say, Hey, go ahead and do
1: it. I, I tend to kind of downplay the career and say, Find something that's going to enable all those other things you care about in life because those are more important. Like, like your job, love your life.
0: Alright, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. And if you have ever wanted to make a career pivot, make a change, maybe felt like you weren't on like happy, fulfilled in your current career, current industry, current role, well this is the episode for you because today I have an amazing guest who has pivoted a career not once but twice and now teaches others and helps others career pivot. I have Erin Luber and she's a career coach and she's an expert career pivoter and she also works at amazon aaron welcome to the show how are you
1: daniel hey you're bringing the energy i love it
0: you know it's interesting as soon as i hit record like there's this like adrenaline rush that comes in i'm like i understand that is like i have to deliver no matter how sad or happy i am and um i forgot where i heard this it was like it was like a podcast where like an artist that says like the reason why it's called performance because you know if somebody has an like an auditorium a stadium full of of people. They have to go and perform and sing their greatest mm-hmm. hits. And so I want people to listen to this podcast. And I hope that one day, you know, a million people listen to an episode. And if that's the case, like I have to, we have to deliver. So I don't know, that's, that's my, that's, my tangent absolutely. on why. I know we did from.
1: like the countdown and now yeah. we're like, we're, let's go.
0: We're here. We're here. So let's <laughs> pivot. <laughs> so Aaron, let's do um, something. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I want you know, like I was, as, before we hit a record, I was like mentioning like, you know, i've seen career pivoting become so common right it's becoming really really common i forgot where i read something along the lines that people um you know change careers about you know three to four times now it's way more common than it was maybe for like for my parents our parents i think we're we're closely around the same age um but i want to learn more about like you know like why did you decide to pivot twice tell me a little bit more about that history and then how that led to career coaching
1: Yeah. uh, Well, it wasn't my choice the first time. So uh, I grew up in a family business in the retail industry, in the meat business actually, and uh, worked. I thought that was going to be my career. Right, grow up, go into the family business, just you know, sweat equity, and someday it all be mine. And uh, you know, family businesses are a tricky situation, and things happened, and I found myself in a place where. I needed to look for something different. And so for the first time, I think this is the part that connects me most with a lot of my clients who I work with, a lot of pivoters, is like this idea that many of us are like, I'm gonna do this forever. Mm-hmm. And then that doesn't happen. Something happens in life, whether through our own choosing or someone else's choosing. And you know, you find yourself at this crossroads of saying, Okay, I gotta go do something else. Now what? So um I went from the meat business and had a client who Did a lot of catering with us. And I went to her and said, Hey, you're always buying crab legs and hosting parties. What do you do for a job? And she was like, Oh, I'm in recruiting. I don't know what recruiting was, but I said, Hey, if you ever are hiring or know somebody who like is hiring for something, I need a different job. This was my sales pitch of my skills and abilities. And thankfully i think she you know you know she knew me well enough so she referred me to someone i interviewed with the woman she is now one of my dearest and best friends and i've asked her since that i said why did you hire me i did not know i didn't even know what recruiting was she was like i could tell you know you were smart you paid attention you were hungry you would learn so retail to recruiting worked in recruiting for about six years and then uh, moved into tech sales with amazon so um the, the two-time pivot thing for me working with career pivoters, it just, it's near and dear. I know that feeling of feeling like you're not right for what you're trying to do next or you don't know what to do next, and that's a really sucky feeling. So um, I always said if I made it through this and I, I kind of came out okay on the other end, I'd go back and help some other people because um, it's not fun to navigate alone.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I, I really tried to think of like why why do people – feel like they have to pivot? And, and how do we normalize pivoting? Because I do think it's more normal than it is not. I think sometimes uh, we're afraid to say that we want to pivot or that we want change because yeah. we, our identity is so tied to something. Maybe like I, I, I think about your, your story, like if you're working in a family business, how much was your identity tied to that business? Oh, And then, and then you're like, I'm afraid to make the change because I don't want to let down my family, my friends, my surroundings who know me as the person that does this.
1: Well, I mean, it's like that—that whole like primal like safety thing, right? Like you—you know where you're at, you know your surroundings. It's predictable. You have this idea of how it's all going to work out, and so pivoting by nature is almost choosing to put yourself in harm's way or in that vulnerable place of saying, "I'm going to pick to go somewhere where I'm not an expert. I don't know what I'm doing. Somebody might reject me. um, You know? I mean, who wants to sign up for that, right? But on the other side of it. I mean, I think we should all sign up for it because a lot of times on the other side of it is like this great growth or this great opportunity. I mean, I look at where I'm at today and the things and the opportunities that I've had. I would have never had those if I would have stayed running my family's business. I would have missed out on so much learning and just, you know, I I probably wouldn't be talking to you, right? So um, I think there's a lot of value in putting yourself through it. But um, yeah, to your point of like our identities are very tied. work and what we do. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the clients who I work with are educators, you know, folks who are either teachers or administrators coming from the education space into something different, something more corporate. And that's a tough one. I see. I I connect with that one a lot, not because I've been a teacher. Um, My sister was a teacher. I helped her pass it out. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's that identity piece. Right. It's like a calling or there's something deeper that connects you. And I think that's where people really, um, you know, have to
0: separate I w- themselves. I wonder, like, you know, um, at what point do you think it's the right time to consider pivoting or making the pivot? Right. Let, let, let me give let me give you, for example, more of a story. Yeah. Right. Let's say, like, I'm in my job. I decided to to be to be a teacher. Right. Uh, you know, it, it was re- really rewarding. You know, like, you know, I can really I love kids. So that's the reason why you know, I became a teacher but at what point should I start considering and what should be my next steps before making a pivot? Like, I don't, I, I'm assuming yeah. you just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, right? I'm assuming you don't go like, all right, quit your job today, don't be a teacher tomorrow, call, tell your, your school, right? <laughs> like, what would be the steps that I should be considering yeah. and thinking and like, uh, how far in advance should this be kind of like strategically planning versus like, I quit today or should it be like, all right, let me make a five-year plan to pivot, right? Or maybe five years is too long, quitting today is too, too soon. Like, is there a happy medium that you recommend or, or see, you know, generally speaking, everybody's situation yeah. is a little bit
1: different. I mean, it's, yeah. So I'm, straight up, it's different for everybody. Right. And yeah. I think a lot of that depends on your life situation for, for me. Okay. I'm the primary earner in my household. So a lot of the mm. decisions that I make, for instance, have to do with finances. I think about, you know, what's the financial upside, what's the financial risk, all of those types of things. But, you know, for a pivoter, I think it's going to be really unique to them because they got to look at their life situation. Can you afford to quit your job? I mean, I've seen people do that where they quit their job and they say, look, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to figure out what I want to do next. And, you know, my life situation works where we're going to be able to do that for a while. Other people, you know, you have to keep working. I'm, I was always more, you know, kind of that side of things, right? Had to keep working and navigate this on top of all of the other stuff that you got to do in life. But, um, you know, so it's individual, I'd say. And like as far as when to pivot, you know, um, I see a few things. So for me, like I said, as a woman, I think there's a huge opportunity to say you know, pivot and look out for your financial self. And there's, uh, you know, when I go back to my my teacher group of individuals, or I work with a lot of moms who are coming back to the workforce after taking some time away, there's a lot of self-advocacy and, and being willing to recognize that um, maybe you're not receiving enough recognition financially for the work that you're doing. Yeah. So there's oftentimes, especially in the teacher world, a lot of like guilt or like you should want to do this, this should be out of the goodness of, of who you are and the calling that you have. And I always like to take it back to a job is exchange of time and talent for money at the yeah. end of the day. So um, when it's time to pivot, when you're not inspired by your work anymore, when you feel like you're not learning anymore, when you feel like you're not earning enough to support the life that you want for yourself and the people that you love in your life, Those are all good reasons to pivot, Um, you know, and you just maybe want to just do something new, right? I mean, no harm, no foul in that.
0: Aaron, really love like your, it's like practical advice you just shared there. And I kind of like want to repeat it because like, I think it's really important as of you're listening to this. It's like, you hear this a lot, especially on social media, like, you know, follow your passion, like, and it's like, Great. You should, maybe you should pivot yeah. all that. But I think it's something really important. It's like, it's it's all really based on your life situation and you need to understand the finances, right? So like to your point, if you're the main income earner in your household, you might have to pivot slower than you would mm-hmm. if you have a supporting spouse that can say, hey, go ahead and do it. Like I, I would think about my personal experience. I worked at PepsiCo. I was a, like, you know, the main earner in our house. And, you know, my wife had, you know, was working too, but she was, wasn't was making as much as I was, but she had also had a good job if it wasn't because my wife said, Hey babe, I know you always wanted to start this business, go ahead and do it. Like, you know, with our income, we can actually pay our mortgage and pay our bills. There's no better time for you to start it now, because if we have kids, if we have a kid today, like you, we, this wouldn't be a conversation. Right. Yeah. And and so I was able to pivot, right. Go from the corporate America world to the, you know, to start in a business world because my wife supported that, right. Supported me to be able to, to take a bigger uh, risk than I would have, um, Actually, if I was by myself, probably would just I would have slept on my mom's house. But like that, I would have if I, you know, there was more circumstances, like if I had kids yeah. or there was more people that were dependent on us. And so I think that's really practical advice because like you could still pivot. It might take you a little bit longer, but you do have to look at how does that affect you know the people that you know have that are you are supportive that you support right? Like you're that are dependent yeah. by you, right? And so I think that I, it's really really great practical advice.
1: Yeah, I uh, I tend to lean to the practical side and. You know, there's a lot of advice. I think that's something actually that's really like when people say like, what's your brand or stuff like, like that's very me, right? I always say kind, direct, and I'm also very realistic about things because there's this tendency to over romanticize career, career change, passion, right? Like find your dream job. I mean, yeah, yeah like go to try to find something you're going to love to do, Right. Yeah. But two things. One, that might change over time. The thing you love to do can change, and that's okay, right? It's normal for us to grow and change and mm-hmm. want to do different things in life. And also, you know, you can find a job where you go there and you do the work, and it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, you're you're happy with what you did, but it's not your life's purpose. Yeah. And it's okay to have a job that doesn't have this, like, you know, big universal meaning to something. It's simply something that you go in, you do a great job at, you drive, you know, results and you you bring value while you're there. And then you go do some other stuff in your life that really matters. You know, you have hobbies, you have interests, you have friendships, you have relationships. And um, I, I tend to kind of downplay the career and say, find something that's going to enable all those other things you care about in life, because those are more important. Like, like your job, love your life.
0: Mm, yeah. It's interesting, and I think it's a cultural thing in America. So, there's a phrase that says in America you work to live, and then where I'm from in South America and Colombia, you, you, sorry, in America you live to work, and in Colombia yeah. or in South American culture you you work to live. Yeah. So it's it's a little backwards because like in America like our our career consumes us a lot most of the time or a lot it's you know. And then in other cultures, I'm just saying South America just because I, I see you there when I go there and my family is there. Like, a lot of times the job is just how you pay to be able to live your life. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. I want to kind of like shift the conversation to more of like, okay, I, I, I you know, I, I have a game plan to pivot. You know, I want to do this in the next six months to 12 months. But my fear, Aaron, is that I don't have transferable skills. Like if I am a teacher or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, whatever other role and I want to go into X, I don't have three, five years of experience that is required on the resume for me to be able to get that job. So because of that, I'm not making the pivot sooner or, you know, I, you know, is that a limiting belief or what are your advice, your practical advice on how to overcome the job description and what's required versus yeah. what I actually have?
1: Well, okay. So there's a lot to that. I would say, first of all, it's it's the question of what are you trying to pivot into? Mm-hmm. So there are some jobs that lean more on transferable soft skills, and there are other jobs that have really explicit hard skills that are required. So I always pick on instructional design as my hard to pivot into job, because there's a lot of tools and technologies. You need a portfolio, you need samples of your work and the results that it drove. Like There's a lot of evidence and and acumen and credibility that you need to have to move into something like that. Uh, Conversely, sales, okay? Mm -hmm. Sales is generally something where, especially if you want to break into like a SDR, so sales development rep, business development rep, BDR type of role, not saying that you don't have to do any work or make any effort to make that pivot, but being somebody who can show up on camera, talk to people, solve problems, be a good listener, These are things that generally many of us have developed regardless of what we did before we're you know kind of approaching this pivot um that's a little bit easier to move into so i think the first thing when you're looking at that pivot is saying what am i trying to pivot into and am i picking something that's like mount everest or am i picking something that's a little bit more approachable and that's going to have a big impact on what your timeline looks like so for some people um you know, they they want to pick that Mount Everest job and maybe that works. But I think it's really being honest with yourself and knowing, is that what I want to do? Am I willing to invest the time and knowing that there's a chance that you might get into that and hate it, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big one that I talk to a lot of, you know, clients and people on LinkedIn about is you can only be so sure when you've never done something before. So I'm of the logical belief that, don't put like tons of time and effort and energy and money into something that you think theoretically is going to be right for you only to find that you get into it. And then you're like, hmm, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I don't think I actually want to do this.
0: The grass is not always greener on the other side.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you, you gotta. So, I'm a big like get it to 80% kind of person. So, find the thing that's gonna pay what you need to make, find the thing that you think you can do, and, and kind of it showcases your skills well for a period of 12 months, because then you're gonna have one full calendar year in any type of pivot role that you move into. Find something that's not gonna take, you know, tons of upskilling and money and time and a master's degree. I mean, there is a piece of that that, again, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. Right. Nobody wants to feel like they don't know what they're doing, that they're not, you know, the, the, the most viable best candidate. So there, I see a lot of overcompensating where, you know, people will want to go get more degrees or certifications and they get stuck in this loop of trying to feel better versus really looking at the job and saying, what does the job require? What am I going to need to do to either say, yes, I have those things or no, I don't have those things and here's mm-hmm. how I'm going to go get them.
0: So interesting because you said something that makes a lot of sense. And one thing you, that really popped out is like getting another degree, another certification. And I see that uh, trend. I see that a lot with my clients. They're international STEM mm-hmm. students, right? So they, they, you know, because of their, a lot of them come from Asia, they value education a lot. And so they think that the solution to getting a better job is to get another degree. And a lot of them already have, A masters or are in their PhDs or you know have some sort of like like they already have the certificates and the certifications and they think that's the reason that's stopping them and I think you're you're right in the sense of like they're you know we're not taking the time to analyze what is actually required for that job and what do we have and where does that match and so like you know it's interesting one exercise that I have them do they're like hey Daniel like how do I know if I'm qualified for this role or especially if they're like a year out before graduation, this actually works better. And, and if you're like in the beginning of your thinking of pivoting before you actually make the pivot, this may be a good exercise. Find, you know, f- you know t- 10 job descriptions of jobs that you would love to have that, you know, they're realistically within your, and then you look in the job descriptions, there's the requirements, right? And what I would do is I, I put it into an Excel sheet, and I would start listing all the skill sets. Now, the beautiful thing is like in the job description, just like your resume, the most important skills or requirements are in the top and the least important are in the bottom. And so the, the number one skill in, the, in this, this, the first job description, right? You write it down, you give it 10 points, the second one, nine, the third one, eight, all the way down to, to, to you get zero or one, right? And you do that 10, 10 times, you know, 10, if you're applying for 10, like uh, sales roles, right? As a, you know, sales associate roles or, you know, client success manager or, you know, whatever role. And what you're going to clearly, the data is going to show you what are the, the, the main skills that you should be focusing on. Now, you can then compare that to your personal skills and say, okay, they're really looking for conflict resolution. Right? It's like, you know, it has by far the, the biggest score. Self-analyze that. Now, not only you, but ask maybe people around you, what do you, they rate you on, on this particular skill set? And then you can see, see the skill gap. Maybe you're overqualified. Maybe you should need to go into a more higher level role, right? Or maybe you're underqualified and you need to learn that skill set whether it's the technical or the soft skill set. And that has been really helpful to help at least our clients understand w- that they don't need another degree, right? And, and a lot of times they're just not applying for the right roles. Like, sure, if you're applying for a level three software engineer, yeah, you might need your, the skill set, the skill gap is much bigger than if you're applying for a level entry software engineer level one. And so I think it's important to first, are you even applying to the right roles? And then second, compare that mm-hmm. and do a self-analysis.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I do um a very similar practice in my resume blueprint course. So that's the first part of it is saying, let's research and understand this role that you're going after. Mm-hmm. So we know what's the call and what's the answer. I always talk about call and answer, right? Mm-hmm. So a job posting has a call, a call for a skill or a talent, and that's something that's gonna be necessary to the job. There are some things in that job posting that you're gonna have to be able to do yep. so that you can not only prove that you can get the job, but you're going to need those things to keep the job too once you get into that job. Yeah. And so identifying what those things are, like you, I, I do the whole, like, let's take the average across a few different job postings yeah. and let's really understand, you know, if I'm going to go for an SDR role, let's pull three, four five of those. Let's look at them and say, wow, wouldn't you know it? These same few things keep showing up time and time again mm. in these job postings. This must be pretty normal and important for this type of job do I have this? Do I need to go get this? Do I need to talk to somebody else and have them help me figure out how to talk about myself like this? Right. That's the next step is to say what's needed. And then do I have it? Do I need help figuring out that I do have it and how to talk about it? Or do I clearly just not have this skill? And then to your point, do I want to invest the time, the effort, the energy, the money to go get whatever it is that I would need to get to satisfy and check that box?
0: Yeah. What do you think is the biggest mistakes that career pivoteds make while they're making this, this transition?
1: Hmm. Um, well, first they don't pick a focus and I am a big advocate of picking because everything we just talked through. Right. Yep. So if you don't have a focus, if you're saying like, I'm going to move to something else and I'm keeping my options open and I've got a lot of different things going. You're trying to be a little bit of something to everybody and you're not really mm-hmm. clearly anything in a in a really specific direction. It's like shooting a bunch of arrows in a bunch of different directions and you don't know where the target is. Yep. Um, so that's one. Mm-hmm. I think the other one is leading with emotion and making decisions from emotion rather than from a really surgical kind of clinical analysis. So uh, what I mean by that is feeling like something's not working. I have a lot of people who will say to me, I feel like it's just not working. I feel like, you know, I'm I'm doing all these applications and I feel like it's just not going to happen for me and I feel like it's I'm I'm like let's let's go look at the facts, right? Let's go look at your resume, let's look at what you're telling people. Are you talking to people? How many applications did you do? How many interviews have you gotten? How are you networking to try to push your application forward? There's all these components that go into are you moving forward and are you doing the right strategy and the right steps and saying, I feel like, I feel like it's just not going to work for me. Like that is so useless and not helpful because it's just kind of stewing around in this feeling of I'm not good enough. And it really doesn't have anything to do with good enough or not. It's just, do you have the skills or not? Are you marketing them well and correctly or not? And all those things are fixable. You just have to figure out which thing it is or which things it is that, um, maybe you need to strengthen a little bit.
0: I think that's why it's so important to uh, control the controllables, one, but two, to be able to track like where you're applying and you're doing that because you're able to look at the data. Because one thing, and it sounds like your clients feel very similar as my clients, like, The job search process is very lonely, and you're gonna get rejected so many times before you even get a yes. It's just part of the process, and it's a roller coaster because it's an emotional roller coaster that you go through. And anybody, most like everyone, has gone through finding a job 99%, most everyone, right? It's like mm-hmm. you go through this roller coaster of applying and you're optimistic about it, and then you get rejected, and then you finally get a call back to an interview, so you get all excited. And the biggest mistake that I see our clients making, even though I warn them, is like, even though you get invited to the interview, don't stop the networking and the applying on the other companies, because even if you are in the final round, you're still one of three to five people. So yes, like,
1: that's and, so good. And,
0: and, right. And so you have to continue, like continue to apply, continue to build relationships, networking, continue to prep for other interviews and not just drop everything because I have an interview at Google. And so this is my priority. I'm like, yeah, you're one of 10 people. So statistically you're, you're still 10%, 90% not going to get it. Right. And so, We have to be realistic about it and we have to control the controllables uh, and not forget about that. And so I I love, again, I think we're very similar on like how like giving the practical advice like, yes, I'm super excited about your Google interview. Like, let's high five. Let's celebrate it. Let's definitely prep for it. (laughs) Let's maybe forget Netflix for the next week as you like you're going to have to give something. Don't do not give up applying for other roles. Let me, let's, let's give up going out on a Friday night. I have worked with a lot of college students, right? Let's give up on going out on a Friday night so that we can get ready for that Google interview, but we can't stop the process anywhere else because, um, uh, you, you know, you're gonna, it's you're nothing's guaranteed until I even say until you walk into your first day, like you have no idea yeah. what your background, like uh background check is going to happen. Like I, I tell you a really quick, a story someone got a job, Right. Uh, and, and they're like, hey, they're gonna have background check. I'm like, hey, you anything you need to worry about? No, nothing I need to worry about. Well, this job you're gonna have to, and it's a management training program, um, and you're gonna have to drive a truck that's DOT of like DOT, like so, like um, mm-hmm. like a U-Haul. But if you drive it for a company, you have to have, um, you have to go through the DOT, and which you have to go to medical. Anyway, long story short, this person didn't realize they had a ticket at their university, a parking ticket. And it was one of those tickets you put on the windshields and apparently that ticket flew off. So he never knew he had the ticket. So he didn't realize that his license was actually expired. He was driving with an expired license because the ticket wasn't paid. And so he got a license expired because he had a license expired. Now he can't pass the DOT thing. So now he can't get the job. So he lost the offer. Now, my guy, Not only did he stop applying everywhere, but I understand he received an offer, drug test, everything. He's, he's super excited, but he had to relocate cities. And so he had already already, because you do this to this, this test has to happen two weeks before you start. It has to be recent. Like, so even if he had the offer six months ago, it had to be recent. So long story short, he already had signed a lease in Jacksonville, Florida, and, literally a week before he started said, Hey, you can't start. Right. And wow. so like, I think I, I share this because like, it's like, you have to continue to control your controllables. And I even say like, if you're going for like a, le- a lesson for me, was like, if you're going for those types of jobs where the, the, the background check is so crucial, you just need to run your own background check. Right? It's $30 mm-hmm. to be able to know what, what, what happens. But anyways, I, I share that because don't stop applying. Don't stop networking. Don't stop controlling the controllables. Until you actually start. And that actually takes me to the next point, Erin. It's like you make a career pivot, you get the job, but are you done? Or like I know that you talk a lot about also making sure you're successful in that pivot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you know, and that's funny because you know, you see a lot of people come to LinkedIn and they're like, oh, I'm going to work and, and build relationships on LinkedIn and start being active because I need to get a job. And then they get the job and they disappear. And partially I I agree with that a little bit. You should dial back LinkedIn, especially when you're new somewhere, because that should be where you're focused, right? You've gotten into this new job. And so now you got to perform, you got to show up. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I I think, you know, one of the things that I talk with a lot of my pivoters about once they get into a job is what is that next year going to feel like? What should you be ready for? And I always talk about how your first 30 days is like a honeymoon or a new relationship, right? They're sending you the swag and you got this new desk and everything's fun. And you post your pictures on LinkedIn and everybody's like, good job, you, you got a new job. Yay. And they're so excited for you. And you're loving your new people at work and everybody's the nicest. And right. So it's like that, that honeymoon period. And that's really, you know, it's fun. You should celebrate a, a massive win like that of, you know, making a big change for yourself And then typically you hit that like 45 and 60 day mark. And this feeling of, especially for pivoters, holy crap. Like, do they know they made a mistake? Cause I've realized this is a mistake, Yeah. right? Like, like who, who here is noticing that I am clearly not meant to be here and I don't know what's going on. And I think a lot of people I, I work with talk about how they thought they'd get more support. After pivot, you know, they, they'll say, oh, well, my person who was training me doesn't have a lot of time to train me or I don't really know if I'm doing a good job or uh, for teachers, especially because they're moving into corporate. They aren't always familiar with like the one on one, like asking for a weekly one on one. And mm-hmm. how are you asking for feedback and all of those types of things to navigate? But, um, you know, having regular one on ones and knowing that you're going to go into this period of very severe imposter syndrome or discomfort is it's probably very likely and that will sort of continue and get a little bit better until you hit about six months I found and at the six month mark there's going to be this little bit of a feeling of like okay I know what I'm doing all right this isn't so bad and then typically there's like another pit that happens and then you hit nine months and at nine months I find most people hit their their stride or their groove in a new job where all of a sudden they say, I know how to do this job. I can solve complex questions on my own. I don't, I feel like I could give someone else in my company or on my team advice and probably be right. Mm -hmm. And so by the time you get to the end of the one year, then you're in a place where you've grounded yourself in this new role. You kind of know what's up and what's happening. And then you can decide where you want to go from there, right? Do you want to double down, keep going through this job and, and do another year of it? Have you learned something in that time where maybe you've said, wow, I went into customer success, but as it turns out, I really like the project management aspect of it. And I want to lean more heavily that way. So, um, you know, when people get into a pivot, I think they don't anticipate that there's going to continue to be this roller coaster. I think we have this mental image of just like a cottage on the lake and now it's all going to be okay and it is okay it's just we never stop ha- going through that growth and that learning and that first year is is a journey you yeah. know you got to be ready for that too
0: no absolutely absolutely like i think uh, one of the things we're really big fans of uh, opni is doing a 30 60 90 day game plan like through the interview process that actually becomes more common practice that's in more in, the, in as you're growing in corporate america but even as level ones your roles we do that even though like we know like they don't have all the information. So one of the things we ask, suggest our like our clients to do in the first weeks of their job is to sit down with their manager and say, hey, I know I drew this. I don't have all the information, but can we remap this so that we have a checkpoints to look at what success looks like in the first 90 days? Right. Because uh, the first 90 days are super important. It's actually, uh, one of the best books I recommend for anybody starting anything new, like career wise is the first 90 days. And it's a, it's a really, really good book. So I love that you're saying that. And, and I would even say like, you're never going to stop having those ups and downs. If you do is because you stopped growing and you're actually going backwards. So it, let's say you do make that pivot and you are in that job and it takes you nine months to get comfortable. Well, what's going to happen six to nine months from that, or a year from now, you're going to be like, okay, now I'm bored. I need my next challenge. So then you want to get promoted or make another pivot, right? And so what's going to happen again, you're going to go through the ups and downs cycles all over again. But that's how we grow as humans. And that's the same thing in business That's the same thing in your health, I bet you in your relationships, right? Like every as somebody who's been married for 10 years or more, they're going to be like, Yep, our relationships are good, but it's there's ups and downs in it. And so I think that's just human behavior.
1: Yeah, it there, there's some, I don't know if LinkedIn, I'd love your thoughts on this. Like, like, I think, for me, I see where LinkedIn might do a disservice to that concept sometimes, that you're never done. It's never just calm and perfect, and now there's nothing left to do. And it it does – I see that where a lot of people, who, when I start working with them, they have this idea that they're going to make it to this point, and then it's just all going to be, like I said, calm, peaceful, okay. And not that it's going to be chaos, but – there's always more to do it's always going to change there's always a new goal to have there's always something else you're going to be learning so um you know just that idea that making the pivot that's not you know what's that saying where they say like it's it's a journey not a destination or something like that like that's the pivot too right like it's just this fluid journey and too many people look at it as this binary I'm here and I need to get over this wall and be here. And then it's going to be different. And as it turns out, I mean, you even hear millionaires say this, right? Where they say, uh, you know, once you're a millionaire, your life doesn't change. You're maybe, you know, you can solve problems differently, but you still have problems, right? You didn't get to a million dollars and suddenly go, oh my goodness, my life is magically perfect now. And it's the same for career changers, right? The, the, The garbage you dealt with in your old job, there's going to be some version of that in your new job. So it's like finding the environment where you feel like, again, you can show up, you can do good work, you like the people you're around, you like the mission and the vision of the company, and you're kind of, you got to stay open to what's going to be next.
0: It's so interesting that like, you know, the most important things about life is an infinite game that you can't win, right? But you can lose, right? And so it, unless you're complacent, right? And you're like, hey, I just want to be uh, I cash share at, lo- at the local supermarket, I don't want to get promoted, then you're not going to help them down. It's the same day. You're repeating the same day. You're like having Groundhog Day all over, and that's your life, right? But if you want growth and you want to take it to the next level, and if you have aspirations, if you have goals, there's no way for you to achieve greatness without going through the challenge and the road that's required. And so um, I-, I think that's important you know i I think the thing about linkedin right it's like or not even linkedin it's just social media it's it's everyone's highlight reel right it's all of our good things Mm -hmm. and none of the bad and so if you're listening to this like you have to understand like read any biography of anybody that's done anything great they've had a challenge it's been a journey it was never given to them and so if you want to have above average results you're gonna have to understand you're gonna have above average challenges and there's no way around it
1: yeah and everybody's going through them too that that whole idea of, like you said, the highlights reel and you see somebody say, oh, I got a job. You know, you don't know how long they worked toward that. You don't know what they went through. You don't know any of the details of of the effort, that, yep. right? There's that image of like the duck with the feet paddling cool. underwater really fast, but it looks calm on top. Looks, and yeah. and I, I think that's LinkedIn or social media a lot of times, especially in this pivot space of you see other people making it and think, oh, huh that must not be too hard. Or that seems like they just went and did that. So I'm going to go do it too. And I expect the exact same journey or the exact same level of effort. And chances are the people who are doing it are just, you know, they're keeping their head down. They're working hard. They're showing up consistently. They're not in this like fits and starts mode where they, like you said, you apply and then you get an interview and you stop for a while or you get an offer and you stop for a while. That's what gets kind of messy. I was, um, I was thinking about this. I was texting, actually, one of my clients from like two years ago keeps referring somebody to me. And, and she's like, hey, you know, did this person reach out to you? Did this person reach out to you? And I said, no, you know, I haven't heard from them. And so I went back into my LinkedIn messages and I typed the person's name in. And back in June or July of 2022, that person had messaged me that they were trying to go through this pivot. And now I'm talking to this former client who's telling me, I know this person, too, and they're stuck. They still haven't made the move. And, you, you know, they're, they're, they want to make it happen. And we just had this really interesting conversation about, like, what does that mean, right? Like you, someone who says they want to make something happen, but they're, like, not taking the steps to get there. And I look at, you know, whether that's just, like, you sitting down and grinding on your own and figuring it out there's so much free stuff on the internet. Like you can totally DIY this stuff. Then you've got people like yourself and me who offer services where people can come work with us. And, you know, I always say the value of that is I'm going to help you get from X to Y faster and hopefully with fewer bumps in the road and really help you do the right thing. So if you're going to spend your time, you're going to spend your time on the right stuff. And, you know, then you look at something like that, where it's like, more than a year ago, somebody set this intention of wanting, saying they wanted to make this thing happen, but, like, they're not – something's not catching, right? Like, they're not doing the right steps to make that happen. So they're stuck in this loop, and then the thing that starts to feel and become really true is – or or feel true, I should say, is, like, I can't do this. Yeah. And it's not that you can't do it. It's just, like, you're not doing the right steps.
0: So, One minute. No, I was going to say like a hundred percent. I think like life is a trade-off of time and money. Right. And so you're yeah. going to figure this out either by inputting the time or, you know, spending the money and hiring someone who's done what you're trying to do and it's going to save you time, but it costs money. Yeah. And so like career coaching is a perfect example of, could you learn everything that's required to make a career pivot or getting a job by yourself without Aaron or myself? 100%. There's enough information out there on YouTube, uh, internet, anything that you need. The question is, is it going to take you longer because you have to then figure out out of all the information out there, which one's relevant to me, my situation and what's going on? Yes, it's going to just take you longer. So you're using time. But if you were saying, hey, I I value my time more. I want to make the pivot faster. I want to get to that earning potential faster. Then you're going to have to invest your money to be able to save up time to to pay somebody like Aaron, who's already spent 10,000 plus hours to master this. Uh, to be able to do this, and that's like anything else, in, in in life, that same thing is applies to you wanting to get healthy. You can't. I can watch enough YouTube videos about it, or I can pay a personal trainer who's helped somebody, uh, a busy entrepreneur yeah. like myself, uh, get get in shape because I can only work this many amount of time. So yeah. With all that being said, I know like time flies. So Aaron, I do want to I would love for you to share. It's already been thirty nine I know.
1: How did that happen? I don't know.
0: It's it was flowing so well. So I do want to like, you know, if people are listening to this podcast, Aaron, yeah. they want to learn more about you. They're thinking about making a career pivot and they're like, you know, I want to be able to save some time on this. Uh can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, the the services you provide and how can someone uh learn more or get a hold of you and connect with you? Yeah.
1: Well? Easiest way to reach me, two places, LinkedIn. Erin Luber, uh, or you can go to my website, which is also erinluber.com. So if you remember my name, you should be able to find me. As far as services go, I have a, a mix of services. So I have different levels because obviously everyone's got different budgets. So I have some accessible courses. My resume blueprint course is very popular. And the whole point of that is a little bit of what we touched on here. It's to really teach someone once you have that focus role picked out, Let me teach you how to research it, like Daniel and I talked about, how to build a resume that talks about the right things using your skills. I use ChatGPT in that to help research and speed it up. But um, when you're done, I think, you know, one, you have a resume, so you're ready to go with your resume and your LinkedIn profile. But more importantly, you understand what the heck you're doing. And that's the, I would say, hands down, people get stuck in that resume loop because they don't understand what they're doing. And they keep shelling out money to people to write for them. And instead of, again, when you hire somebody or when you give money to someone, buy a skill, buy a skill. So um, resume blueprints, I have hourly sessions, so strategy sessions, mock interviews, interview prep, resume reviews, career clarity, all that kind of stuff. And then I do also offer packages on an application basis. I work with a very small group of people. Um, That's more of a a four or five month commitment where we'd work over time and really work holistically on someone's job search. But Stop. you can find me on LinkedIn. Find me on my website, aaronluber.com. All the info's there and just DM me. DMs are open.
0: Well, Aaron, we'll put all both of those links, to website yeah. and LinkedIn, on the show notes, as well as more information about kind of like who you are and kind of a little bit about yourself. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for being here. If you're listening to this, as you see, we don't run ads in the podcast. So all we ask in return is that you share this episode with one person that you have heard or maybe reached out to you about some. Uh, thinking about pivoting right we want to make sure that we can get this episode in front of the people who really want to hear it again thank you so much for listening to this podcast and always you know being so supportive Erin thanks again for being here and catch you guys all on the next episode bye everyone thanks
1: Daniel